Persian of Interest podcast episode number 23, San Diego Comic-Con 2015 recap. You are being watched. An artificial intelligence, a machine protected by government agencies and deadly assassins is spying on you every hour of every day. We designed this podcast as a means to share information that will aid in discovering and exploiting anything related to bringing down those who will use the machine to harm and exploit others. If you're listening to this podcast, your number has come up and you're part of our team. Hello and welcome back to Person of Interest Podcast, a podcast dedicated to Person of Interest on CBS. I'm Daryl. And I'm Doug. Doug. And we, and Doug, we don't have a witty line here. Yeah. We, we don't have a witty line, but we have something that's probably a little bit better, don't you think? I would, I would imagine so. Yeah. Uh, just your cochlear implants because you're about to hear more voices and we want to make sure that you are prepared for what you're about to hear, because Doug and I are joined in this very special Comic-Con recap by two very special guests, Chip and Sarah Mims. You may know them from watching the Americans podcast. If you don't, you should. And you may know Chip from Tales from the Cask, which is a fantastic craft beer podcast. And if you don't, you should. But tonight you will know them as our special Comic-Con correspondents. Welcome, Chip and Sarah. (laughs) Hi, Daryl. <laughs> you know, I haven't done that in a while, so I had to say it again. Well, it so rolled that, off that the tongue very Welcome, nicely. comrades. We are watching the Americans, and we were watching Person of Interest at Comic-Con. Yeah. Yeah. Good choice. Yeah. So thank you so much for having us on, guys. We we had a blast at Comic-Con, and thanks to our friends at Golden Spiral Media's Crack uh, press division, we were able to get in and actually be at some of the press events for the show, and we're just dying to tell everybody about it. Yeah, this is a this is a love hate thing that I have with you guys. Not with you guys personally. Let me, <laughs> let me rephrase that. Here's the thing: I, I was fortunate enough to go to Comic Con three consecutive years, but the last two I have not been able to go. And the last two years that I did go, I tried both of those years to get into the person of interest press room and was denied both times. That's fine. That happens. <laughs> but the last two years we've gotten accepted and you guys have, that means you guys have gotten to go in and, and for the last two years be our, our correspondents there, but I have not. So I'm, I, I'm a little you know, bitter about that, but I'm glad well, we were we, able to get you in there. We were representing you, Daryl. And we let everybody know. That's right. We were we were flashing our golden spiral media secret badge, and uh, everybody was like, "Where's this Daryl Darnell guy? And why is Doug doing a show with him?" They they all asked that. Uh, but I think we cut all of those out because we, we didn't want to embarrass anybody. But he's a I he's guess- a figment of our imagination. <laughs> That's right. I don't really exist. I have one complaint. One complaint. One no one confession and w- when Daryl originally sent me an email saying hey we are going to you know try to do this uh, special episode he said Chip Mims and Sarah not Chip and Sarah Mims that I was thinking Chip Mims and Sarah Shahi wow <laughs> wouldn't that be cool she doesn't spell it right she spells it with an H yes so. I, yeah, I thought maybe just you know he had left the H off I, 
No. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I didn't realize I, that for a couple of days, and then uh, <laughs> Doug emailed me, and I realized I don't remember exactly how he worded it, but I realized in that moment that for the last few days, Doug has thought we were interviewing Sarah Shahi. <laughs> and then she, she was she was very you know uh, 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 you know you can any day you want. What pick a day that's good for you, guy? Like what's good for you, Doug? What? what oh man, it's like and she's flexible. Wow. Wow, for you know, for a big star like that. But Sarah, no, I'm glad you're here with us. Somebody who got a little bit of everything over at uh, at Comic Con there, right? Yeah. That's right. Well, yeah. well, uh, Sarah Shahi was not there, so my Sarah scores a point for person of interest wow. for showing up. Yeah. Good yeah. job. Yeah, yeah. So let's 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 see. You guys were able, as we've said, were able to be a part of the person of interest press room which those are actually i I love doing those you're seated at round tables with usually three to five other people from the press various types of press some of them are podcasters like us some of them are are print and media press some of them are bloggers some of them are magazines which would obviously be print um there's a whole variety of people and then the the talent kind of gets escorted around. They spend maybe 10 minutes at each table, and they usually come around in pairs. And I would imagine that's the same way it happened this time. It uh, was. Mostly. And what was really cool mostly. was that the people who were doing the interviews at our table were the same people that were at our table last year. Oh, cool. And we were all fans of the show, not just press people. Mm-hmm. And, and what – our colleagues were saying at our table is a lot of times they'll go and sit at a table with people who are press people that are only press people and don't know anything about show they're talking about. Yeah. So we spent probably 20 minutes before anybody came to our table just talking about the show. Yeah, that was cool. And it was it, like it was people like uh, there was somebody from uh, Whedon Esk has been there a couple of years. Mm-hmm. The Joss Whedon uh, site, mm-hmm. uh, Io Nine was there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, these aren't slouches that you never heard of. Uh, so uh, the fact that we were all there, and when the uh, I guess the first group came over was a threesome, uh, and then the rest of them were uh, were twosomes. Well, no, I guess it was the second one when uh, Greg Plagman sat down and he goes. I know you people. And we're like, yeah, we're the ones from the table that watch the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it actually is embarrassing sometimes. I was at a table in Falling Skies two years ago where someone from the press, I have no idea what outlet they were from, asked uh, Noah Wiley if, if he was excited when his character, Tom, uh, was going to be a father later that season. Like, are you excited to, to that your character is going to be a father at some point this season? The baby had been born like three episodes prior. Oops. And they hadn't even, they didn't even know that the, they were thinking the baby was going to be born at some point in the season. And it was very awkward. They were very embarrassed. They ended up leaving the press room. But yeah, you're right. Ouch. So it's, it's good when you can get those tables with, with fans and really geek out with the stars about this show that you love so much. So well, well, the fun- everybody asked really good questions. Yeah. Well, the fun thing was the the consensus of the table before they even showed up was that uh, even if the show ends this season, there will be a spinoff with Bear. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, tell us some of the highlights that you guys had there with the with the press room. Uh, tell tell us, you know, kind of how they were paired. You said the one of them was a was a pair or three of them what was the word for that but a trio i guess but anyway yeah. kind of walk us through what the highlights were of the press room 
Daryl, you may have mentioned this before, how it kind of works. They, they split it into two areas. There's like audio press and then there's uh, video press. And so there's like a wall on the other side of the room where they, they do the video interviews. And then the round tables are available for all of us who are doing audio interviews. And the folks came in and usually they first go over to the video people and then they'll peel off some of the folks to come talk to uh, us who are doing audio interviews. And the first group we got was... Well, the, uh, first, the first ones we got were uh, Jonah Nolan, Jim Caviezel, and Michael Emerson, the three of them together. Yeah. Uh, and they went to one table before, two tables before us, and they yeah. came to us. Yeah. So there were, I guess there were three total tables, and we were the, of course, we were the geek table, which they saved the best for last. <laughs> and... Yeah. Yeah, so uh, it was interesting this year because last year uh, we had Michael Emerson and Kevin Chapman, who plays Fusco. Chapman is just kind of, he's just really gregarious, outgoing. Uh, he, he drops some uh, curse words here and there. He's just a fun guy. And Michael Emerson, you know, is kind of serious. more serious. Yeah. yeah. Um, but <laughs> but he was what, talking. That's how they appear on Twitter. That's When I read their Twitter feeds, that's, that's how they come across. Yeah. And then so uh, when we started talking with them, it was was a little different this year because since Jonah Nolan, the creator of the show, was there, uh, they were very deferential to him, and he did most of the talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at this time, it was Caviezel and, and uh, Emerson, as Sarah said. Yeah, this year, Jim Caviezel was actually much more serious and not as talkative and jovial as he was last year. Yeah, and that surprised us last year because, you know, you think, Oh, Reese, you know, he's, oh, that guy's yeah. never smiling. And last year he was just a ball of yeah. fun. And this year, not quite so much, but he was still good. They were all very, very charming. Uh-huh. So, you know, a lot of press had been c- coming out um, about they're renewed for next year for 14 episodes and probably starting after the first of the year. Mm-hmm. It's not. That's not been determined yet. Yeah, it's not clear. Uh, but I think that Jonah Nolan sort of launched into it uh, saying that they're going to really make this next season very tight. Yeah, every episode counts, no filler whatsoever. Yeah. And obviously with only 13 episodes you know about, that's got to be the case. And yeah. he's, he said that they've written every season as if that were the last season. And they're doing that again and... There'll be other stories to tell if they get another season, but he doesn't think anybody's going to be disappointed this year. Yeah, they they uh, they said there there's going to be a lot going on, so we'll we'll all have to have our pen and pencil every episode to keep up with their, all the mayhem. Yeah, this is the quote he gave at the panel, which happened I think later on that same day. Uh, it's exactly what you guys just said. He says we're going to make 13 kick-ass episodes and drop the microphone. If we're asked to pick it up again, we'll have more stories to tell. But if this is the last season, no one's going to be disappointed with the story we tell. Yeah. I like the longer uh, seasons because he talks about filler, but as it's something that Daryl and I have talked about uh, during the seasons, that a lot of the character development does happen a little more naturally. If there's going to be development and you only got 13 episodes, all of a sudden people have to, you know, get over whatever anger issues they had really quickly, you know, and it just doesn't seem quite as natural as when they kind of stretch it out a little bit. And they, and I, I like that and I understand the, the, the issue with filler episodes, but I do like the fact that they can, they have that room to organically move things along. 
I agree. Like the the episode when uh, Reese, I forget the name of the episode where, uh, where Carter came back. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, in a way, you could say that. Yeah, you could say that was filler because mm-hmm. he was having an hallucination, yada yada yada. But you really got some insight into their relationship with the flashbacks, and I'll miss that this season. Yeah, yeah. There was a really someone asked about that, or it came up during the panel. Which the panel, for those of you who haven't seen it, it CBS has made it available. It's a really high quality, high audio. It's great. We'll have the link to that in our, our show notes uh, here. Yeah. So uh, it's it's a great panel, but Jim talked about that kind of in terms of him as an actor and as Reese as a as a character. You know, when when Carter left, it definitely left a hole in him. He talked about how Reese as a character kind of realized too late how he truly felt for her, and he talked about how in life we we always think we have more time or or even we think we said things that he didn't and in those conversations that he had with carter in that car he thought he had told her things and said things to her and expressed things to her that in reality he had not which in in the end helped us realize that oh he's it's all in his mind this whole time but you know he talked about in in reality let's say you lose someone you love and you you realize did i tell him i loved him did i did they know? Did I say it enough? You know, and he kind of had some of that more introspective uh, take on it. But he also talked about how having that moment, even as it was in his mind with Carter, it helped him as a character move on, get some healing and and be in a better place than he was, you know, prior to that and be able to accomplish some things and, and do some things now that he wasn't able to before in in terms of relationships and even just being able to heal beyond having lost her. So yeah, it's a really, really, that was a great episode. And I, you're right, Doug. I don't know that we get episodes like that with only 13. Well, somebody asked Jim Caviezel about Reese's relationship with Iris. The psychiatrist. Yeah. And uh, he said that their hope was things work out better. They had not worked out so well with him in relationships. There was the first woman and I can't remember her name, who he left, and then she later died of cancer. And he almost had it made with Carter, but she died. Now Iris, uh, we'll have to see. But yeah. at the end of the season, he was in a pretty dark place. And yeah, he he's it, like, yeah, uh, he's in a dark place. And you're like, uh-oh, that maybe doesn't bode well. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're all in a dark place, facing what seems they like are. insurmountable circumstances. but. Well, they did. They did say that they actually prefer the fact that it starts later in the year or first of next year. The longer they have to play this out, the more people may catch up with Netflix and uh, yeah, uh, the other ways that they're showing the show. That people will power watch it maybe and get caught up and be ready for the last season, and that may help their chances of another season. And it's yeah, that's one. They're getting uh, Netflix uh, to carry those. Yeah. Yeah, finally. Yeah. Well, Plagueman had said he'd much rather last uh, they just not do anything until January and just show it 13 straight with no break. Yeah, to yeah, kind of give us momentum. Yeah. yeah, and I'm a fan of that too. Without you know having the commercial breaks, uh, not the commercial breaks. I don't like those either. But the uh, you know the hiatuses, <laughs> the the you know two off, three on, the, the types of things that we get with with every exactly. network show. Um, yeah, they're gonna do the 13s episodes straight through apparently yeah that'll be yeah. that's what we got the last couple of seasons of lost and that was fantastic so this is that's kind of what this will be with with the 13 but it's i think it's huge that netflix is going to finally have 
person of interest. WGN has also bought the syndication right, so they're going to be airing it. So, yeah. you know, it's going to give people a, a huge opportunity to to catch up with the show, and I hope it works out in the ratings. If you know, I if not, if this is the end, I do I do have faith in our our writers and producers to be able to execute a a great final season. But hopefully, it'll be enough to score, yeah. and you know, like another thirteen episode season or, or something like that. That would be great. Yeah, Plagueman actually mentioned when he was talking that they had because it's owned by WB and most CBS shows now are owned by the network. Mm-hmm. If that were the case, there would probably be a very different look at what the ratings mean uh, since they don't own it. Uh, he said there was hope maybe the WB might be an option for them or one of the other networks that Warner Brothers owns. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition to, and I, I think he and Chapman both talked about Netflix is a model. Potentially, yeah, it may be a long shot, but we can't help but hope. The ratings are, have been great for POI. It's usually like, you know, fourth or fifth of the night. And that's mm-hmm. after uh, things like, you know, CSI and CSI um, uh, Los Angeles or something like that. You know, you really big heavy hitters there. And with those, we still, you know, mop up the ratings. So I can't see. Yeah, like you said, Netflix, everybody says, oh, we could always get picked up by Netflix. But Netflix has been a little more picky than I think people uh, thought they would be. And uh, but the WB would be, you know, a good possibility. I know uh, at one point show that my uh, my wife and uh, and a lot of uh, a lot of my family liked was Monk, and I think it was ABC. And they said, "No, nah, we're not going to do well." Well, USA just mopped up the ratings with yes, that one. Yes, they too. did. Yeah, you know, yeah. so yeah. you know, those kind of goofy decisions can be made. So right. Well, and USA recently has started getting into some really great shows. I mean, we've, we've started watching, um, I think uh, Mr. Robot is a USA program with uh, Christian Slater. Very intriguing. Uh, so and it's the same kind of, it's got a sci-fi uh, computer bent to it. So who knows? Yeah. Well, we, laugh, we laughed about the fact that Person of Interest was sort of the first show that came out talking about surveillance and dealing with the issues around information about what's out there what's what's uh what's the what's the right balance between helping and then Intruding. intervening yeah. yeah and we laughed about the fact that there have been several shows that have popped up since they started that didn't make it it's obvious that what they're talking about is of interest to people in yeah. the country yeah we called it POI light yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you know, we we do this. We do. Doug does this great segment every week, as you guys know. This um, surveillance in the news, and it's every week, week it's after scary. week. POI has been ripped from the headlines weeks ahead of or months ahead of when it comes out, and it's just scary how how accurate yeah. this show is. Because you want to you want to watch a show like this and go, oh well, it's fiction. <laughs> Not so fast. Well, Caviz- it's scary. Caviezel talked about the hacking of. Uh, and ongoing security clearance information. The Chinese thing. And mm-hmm. he was saying everybody's vulnerable, and the Chinese own now has all that information. Well, yeah. talk, talk about what Nolan said. Remember that what he said was really interesting after that uh, about writing to end the show and the reliance on tech. Uh, that part after the. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. He talked about um, uh, the re- reliance on technology. And uh, he says, right now you've got a telephone, your iPhone or whatever, that's going to tell you what's on your calendar. And then he said, next, the technology may make suggestions about what should be on your calendar. 
and then maybe it tells you what you should be doing and then slowly but surely machines are taking away the human decision making question yeah. mark is and that think, happening yeah i think that's kind of where the show would be going you know if, if we had more time to explore things uh but if it really is going to be 13 it's going to be bam bam machine samaritan i think and then yeah. emerson said he's, he's like he really wanted to infuse morals into the machine now he doesn't know what to expect um finch maybe there's more to the machine than he had previously thought and he talked about humanity versus a tool and uh, he, at the end, he realized that what he had really lost. Yeah, yeah. There was a there's a great quote from the panel of that that Emerson had. Um, well, Greg first, Greg Plagman said something where he said that obviously the machine is is compressed right now and put into this this briefcase. So they're going to have to find a way to reconstitute the machine. And the fundamental question is how will it become, how will it become, what is it, what is going to happen to it this year and, and how will they avoid the mistakes of the past? And and then, and I think it was in a separate question, Emerson added that he, meaning Harold now sees the machine kind of like, his child where, you know, before until that, mm-hmm. that last, that last episode, he'd been kind of trying to avoid that. Right. So yeah, if, yeah. he said, if he, he has to, it away, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so he said, if he has to rebuild the machine, he may do it differently than he did the first time. He may forego some of the safeguards and controls. He may give it more freedom and the kind of freedom that root always was demanding for it. And maybe a new exactly. machine is, a greater warrior than the old machine was. He said very coyly, he had kind of attacked that on the end. So that's a very intriguing scenario. That would surprise me as much as Harold was kind of concerned about what an unchecked artificial intelligence might do. The example he gave in the one episode, Mm -hmm. and I forget which one that was, but he said, well, if you tell the machine to um, cure world hunger, well, all it has to do is kill 2 billion people, you know, and there you are. Exactly. and that that but that's the you know that's the cold machine calculation and 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 to for him to then say well maybe maybe if they do that then seeing that emotional uh, outburst at the end of the uh, season finale may have you know affected him uh, quite uh, quite deeply Amy Acker talked about her character really wanted to see the machine have more autonomy yeah yeah and Emerson indicated that he may be coming around to that somewhat, yep. or it may wind up being somewhat of a, a tension between the two characters yeah. in the season. Well, one thing that I had asked uh, the guys when they first came out uh, was, you know, the machine's in a box, and is it really the machine anymore? And I think the answer was it's like you've got the DNA of the machine yeah. to start with, and now you're going to have to reassemble it, and is it going to is it necessarily going to be different because you maybe you don't have everything that was mm-hmm. and now with the change in attitude that Finch might be having uh, and with Root's desire to let the machine have more autonomy, maybe they work together and create a different version of the machine. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of neat to think about, but at the same time that, that also means that the version of the machine that we have come to know and and love and appreciate over the last five seasons is 
in a way, no more. I mean, yeah, it's still there, but it's not what it was before. Um, so right. I don't know. Could, I mean, could this be considered its child? You know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, only one. Uh, we just take a strand of DNA. It's kind of like cloning, but the yep. maybe the clone isn't quite the same as the original. Or it could so be this considered could be the a Helena version of the machine. <laughs> oh no! Uh, nice. Orphan black fans are rejoicing now. <laughs> it, or it could be seen as sort of a metamorphosis, where it was a caterpillar who is now inside of its cocoon, and it's going to emerge something bigger Ooh, and better and more beautiful really than nice. it was before. Nice. nice. I like nice. that. We'll go with that. <laughs> but but a, but a caterpillar that becomes a, a butterfly with razor sharp teeth. Yes, yes, like a, like from Fringe. <laughs> right, a Fringe butterfly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're gonna throw every science fiction reference we can in tonight's episode. <laughs> we might by the time we get out of here. All right. So what else did you guys learn? Who else did you guys talk to? Well, the second group was uh, – initially it was Greg Plagman, and uh, Kevin Chapman was at another table. And so we talked to Greg for a minute, and he was the one that recognized, oh, God, these are the geeks from uh, last year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so – and we're like, oh, yeah, and we've got harder questions this year. And so uh, he, he parried them very well when we were asking about the future of the show, and you know, he was candid as, as he was at the big panel that they've given us 13, and we're going to make the best show we can. And then uh, Chapman came over, and uh, Plagman was talking about, you know, questions about again surveillance, uh, how deep into our lives machines are getting, and he kind of went on for a while, and then and Chapman kind of looked at him and was like, "Can I talk?" <laughs> <laughs> well, and somebody somebody asked Chapman what, how would he like to see his character end oh, up? Oh yeah, this is great. And he said. Um, he predicts that Fusco would survive and become the New York City Police Commissioner. That's right. <laughs> Commissioner Fusco. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. He did mention That's in right. the but panel that he was quite sure that Fusco was sick of observing things and was going to start asking some questions and being more assertive about what is this machine? What, because after this, after the, the sniper situation where he's left standing... Yeah. Uh, he felt like that was going to be finally the, the, the thing that would push him over the edge and start demanding some answers, maybe even investigating well, some things on his own. That, that he said exactly the same thing in the interview, and, and he kind of teased us with how much do you think he already knows? Yeah, because yeah. we asked, we were like, look, this guy's a good detective. Uh, he's not a dummy. He's right. been around this stuff for a, a good long amount of time. Is he at some point he's got to start putting pieces together and mm-hmm. and he and and Plagman were both like yeah what point does Fusco finally go okay e- either I'm in or I'm not and uh, I think that's probably I would guess that's going to happen pretty quickly I hope yeah, so e- either he figures it easier I'm sorry either he figures it out or something's not right something like you said this the whole sniper uh, scene at the end there. Something weird is going on, and if he hasn't figured it out, he's at least going to say, "Look, you tell me what's going on here, guys, because I it, this is not normal." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I wonder at this stage in the season, particularly when we're talking about a season that has been delayed, when when actors talk about this, and there were some other things said at the panel, particularly when when a fan asks a question like, "What would to, of an actor? What would you like to see?" And they give an answer like that, right? That was the question. Chapman gave the answer. And I wonder, does it mean anything for him to say that? Does it mean anything for Kevin Chapman to say, he's going to start investigating and he's going to start asking questions and he's going to figure this out? I mean, we all want that. 
But is he saying that because he wants that for his character, or is he saying that because he's been told, hey, this is what you can say about your character, and we're going to see that? Because that's what we all want, right? But I don't want to read into this quote from Chapman and go, yeah, we're finally going to get to see Fusco in on the game, and his his square is going to change colors. And because we all want that, but if it's just him spouting off because he wants it too and it means nothing, then, you know, I don't, so I don't want to get my hopes up too much, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I know, I know. It's, it's a delicate balance, but I, I have a feeling now I've done the, these interviews two years in a row. They, they have their script pretty much set. Yeah. When yeah. they come into the room and they're answering, I believe, the way, the showrunners want them to answer. Sure. Yep. And whether that's a foil, you know, to throw you off or whether it's really the prediction, I, you know, I think it might be a, at least somewhat true. Yeah. Well, I, I think too, last year and this year, uh, the answers that we got in the press room were very similar to what was said in the great big panels. You're right. So my, my guest, Daryl is, yeah, maybe a little wishful thinking, but I think that he is somewhat aware of what the character arc's going to be. And it doesn't necessarily mean that he'll get what we want because he may start investigating and wanting to be more a part of the the group, but who knows how where that'll lead. That's right. Yeah. Does that get him in more trouble? I think it leads to the police commissioner. I think Frank's out <laughs> from... Uh, if you're a fan of, of course, Blue Bloods, you know, yeah. he's getting near retirement age anyway. So I think it's time for fresh air in yeah, New York. Frank's Police gotta Department. Go. It's, yeah, Frank's got to go. I do think wow. that they have talking points that they are kind of instructed to to talk about during these during these press rooms. I remember a couple of years ago we were in the Revolution press room and we talked to we didn't get to talk to everybody. It was a, they brought quite a large ensemble that year, and I don't remember who it was, but we talked to somebody. And and they acted like they weren't supposed to say anything or like it slipped out that somebody was going to die in the in the season premiere. And mm. then uh. somebody else came along. And so when they got up from the table after that, I, all of us at our little table were like, OK, we're going to figure this one out. We're going to we're going to keep <laughs> asking leading questions until we figure out we're not going to reveal that this other person said this thing. And sure enough, I don't remember who it was, but we got him to to say something about Aaron getting mortally wounded or something to that effect. And so, did you use the pillows? Confess, confess, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> and I remember walking out of that. I I, I called Jeremy, my co-host for Revolution. I'm walking from the hotel where they do the press interviews back over to Hall H, trying to get in there, and I'm like. We did it, man. We got, we got the scoop. Aaron's going to die and this is what's going to happen. And all it did was create a buzz. We weren't the only ones that got that scoop. There were people at our table and there were other people that were other things that were said and things yeah. were said in the panel. And right. all it did was create buzz about the show. It got all of us to yeah. say things and write things. So I think that were all these right? things are, are orchestrated. Well, spoiler alert, he dies, but comes back to life. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't actually die. He does. But it didn't not, really, he wasn't really quite. dead. Yeah. Oh, I he was only that. mostly yeah. dead. He was only mostly dead. So they duped you, Daryl. They duped you. Yeah, but I had a great time being duped. <laughs> it was. Fun. It was. <laughs> he wears a big sign on his, on his t-shirt. Dupe me. Thank yeah. You. Please. <laughs> Oh well, the the last group that we had. Uh, let's talk about uh, Denise and Amy some. Yeah. Denise Tay, uh, one of the 
now an executive producer and mm-hmm. one of the writers of, right. as was pointed out, some of the bloodiest, saddest episodes of yeah. the show. Yes. And she, she was really fun. Daryl, you had suggested a question to us. Would we see Shaw again? And will she be friend or foe? Yeah, this was good. And uh, Amy Acker indicated that they will continue to look for Shaw. And if they find her, what will happen if Shaw's not who she used to be? That's the and big question. She, mm-hmm. she talked about getting the machine back is top priority. Finding Shaw is important, but if they can't get the machine back, then all is lost. Yep. Amy Acker was really, really funny through the whole thing. Yeah, um, she, she was last year, too. She's very uh, – last year we got her and um, Sarah Shahi Together. Right, and so this year it was her and Denise Tay, and uh, Denise was – I thought she was entertaining. She was kind of uh, circumspect about any plot elements, obviously, because they didn't want to give anything away. But Amy, Amy, we asked her too about uh, the relationship with Finch because we had asked yeah, Emerson about, about that, that, right? And mm-hmm. we asked her kind of, you know, things have evolved quite a bit over the seasons between the two of them uh, where they were, you know, bang, bang, uh, button heads diametrically opposed to now. Then they were allies and they kind of fell out of sorts. Now maybe they're back together again. And where did she see that going? And th- But getting... Getting the machine out of the box, out of the, the briefcase, and reconstituting it, they may actually, she indicated, may come to yeah. blows again, not yeah. agreeing exactly. Mm. Yeah, so we don't know how that's going to play out. Yeah. The machine but doesn't like to see mom and dad fighting. <laughs> right, right. Stop fighting! And I, <laughs> I, I read, I was reading some information about... Um, Sarah Shashi, that she, when she was pregnant last year and she was like wanting to get off the show and she was going to take a couple of years off and she had twins and apparently she really wants to be back on the show and they want her back. Yeah. So maybe the twin thing is like more, she already has kids, so maybe it overwhelmed her or, or it could be just the show. Now, get me out of here. Now that we're down to 13, <laughs> it's like, well, I, I want to be part of it, and yeah. I hope she is. Yeah, I so think that's what I took it was. Now that the show looks like it has a short life, she wants she wants to have a little piece of that that life that's left. They did say on the panel that we have not seen the last of Shaw. Now, does that mean we right. see her her silhouette hanging out the side of a van as it drives off, <laughs> or does it mean we'll see her kicking butt and taking is names? You know, we don't know. Is she zombie Shaw? Right. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, the, I think the sense we got was that there's going to be some Samine in here, and it's going to be – there could be – maybe she's been altered slightly, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like Picard and the Borg kind of thing. Nice. With, maybe a Samaritan's done something with her, and who knows what will happen if that's the case with between her and uh, Root. What if she turns into another Martine? Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. that would be bad. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta tell you what we yeah, should remember the remember the theory she was a robot all the first part of the season Martine. <laughs> we always called her the ter- the the Terminator. I mean, she just she yeah. looked like the the Terminator. What was it? Yeah, the female Terminator. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we got to start a drinking game. If we if you guys listening haven't started one already, anytime another show is referenced, like Chip just mentioned <laughs> Star Trek, so um, yeah, but only in moderation. Well, Terminator. Folks. The Terminator, and don't forget I mentioned Monty Python, uh, uh, the Flying Circus, with of course the the classic Spanish Inquisition. I missed that one. 
Well, you you were questioning people with the pillows. That was a. Uh, oh, I see. I didn't catch the reference. I see. Never mind. I'm a lot older than you, so that, that'll just <laughs> fly right on by you. Yeah. Speaking of Ruth, though, there was a great little tidbit that came from the from the panel. It came from a, a listener question or, or fan question, and Jonah revealed that the way that Amy Acker got to be got to have the role of Root was. It was his wife's idea. They were talking about the character, and both he and his wife were friends were, were fans of Angel. But his wife is the one that said, "You know, from Angel, Amy Acker was great, and I think she would be great in that role." And that is how, and he he agreed, obviously. And so that is is how Amy Acker came to get the role of Root. That's amazing. I well, know and that. she's got another role coming up. We went to a panel with the people from Firefly. Yeah, well, uh, Alan Tudyk, who yes. played Wash, okay, drink, um, <laughs> on the Firefly show, uh, was at Nathan Fillion's or Nathan Fillion, he who was, was at his house, Nathan's who, house, who was Mal, yep. and he, uh, they were just, you know, in the kitchen talking, and uh, he came up with this idea for a show. This is actually a fan-funded internet Indiegogo, Indiegogo, yeah. And it's called Con Man. Con Man. And I've it's seen about that. Oh. It's and, fantastic. And it's, hilarious. <laughs> it's it's about uh, a couple of people or some people who were on a TV show about uh, cowboy space. Yeah, a cowboy stuff. show that got timely after thirteen episodes and <laughs> one of them the captain ended up being a very big celebrity and his friend who was the pilot didn't work out so well, and <laughs> and so they end up coming up with uh, an idea about um, doing a show about going to cons, and so it's like this meta thing, and they were able to get, and they were digressing, but Amy Acker's part of this, so yeah. Yeah. we're coming back. Don't they worry. They got a whole slew of people who are sort of like the... Genre. The um, Well, the genre, they, they actually had... Um, some people there in costumes in the front row who are con fan type people who were actually hired in the film to play con with great costumes fan yeah. type people right and and so they had like i mean the, the panel and we'll we'll wrap it up soon i i promise nathan mm-hmm. fillion's there they've got trisha helfer from battlestar and and michael tuco from battlestar uh, Felicia Day from Angel and Buffy is there. Will Wheaton from Star Trek is there. I mean, all of these people. Uh, and Amy Acker was not on the panel, but she is. They showed a clip of her on the show as well. Mm-hmm. So she is a very talented individual. And uh, I, I suggest uh, that comes out in September, I believe, and it's online. It looked, the trailer looks fantastic. I can't, oh, yeah. I can't wait for it. Yeah. It was a lot of fun, Daryl, doing the <laughs> interviews, and we really appreciate you giving us the opportunity to do that. Yeah, it was great. Well, I appreciate you guys being able to go and to be our special correspondents uh, to, to <laughs> get us access that we wouldn't have otherwise been able to get. So hopefully I'll be back at Comic-Con again next year, although getting tickets is – it's not for a lack of trying to get tickets. It's, it's We've tried to do that, and it hasn't worked out, but uh, anyway. Well, well, you remember all of us last year, we had the network of – all of our Golden Spiral Media friends across the country and some of the Jay and Jack crowd yeah. across the country. And the best we could come up with 
was like Sunday tickets yeah. initially. Yeah. And nobody got pre-registration because it's just crazy. Yeah. Well, Daryl, I have to tell you, I have to tell you, we lucked out. We every year we've lucked out so much, but this year the first day we got into Hall H. Oh it, yeah, the, tell this story, please, the, please. Oh yeah, this the, this is the crazy. The panel was uh, on the schedule was called. Open road. Open road. First show, no Hall H on Thursday. No, no information, just open road. But I really wanted to see the um, the Hunger Games Mocking J two panel, which was later on in the day. So we just dropped into Hall H, and as soon as we saw we could get in, we went right straight in, and we walked in, and on the stage. No, well, the thing is, I mean, you know Hall H, right? You can't Nobody get into Hall, into Hall H until late in the afternoon, the first unless you morning, camp out. First morning, we walk and and we were like, "Well, there's no way we're going to get to see Hunger Games." Well, let's go look just to yeah. see how bad the line is. Because I've got a picture. Maybe I should send it uh, so you guys can see it. Uh, on Wednesday night, preview night, there was a huge line already for Hall H yeah. for the right. next day. Yeah. So I'm like, "Well, we go around," and they're like, "Hall H, come on in, come on in." Cannot believe we you like, walked straight into Hall H on Thursday morning. And we did, and we walked up there, and it was half full. And who was on the stage but Mitch Glazer, who is the uh, owner of Open Road Productions, a movie production company, which we didn't know, but now we do, and his good friend, Bill Murray. Bill Murray. Yeah, Bill Murray. Hello. Who had never been to Comic-Con ever. That's that, that, and, that blows your mind a little bit right there, doesn't it? I mean, that's he's yeah. the guy that is made for for this sort of thing. He's never been to a con. Yeah. Ever. Crazy. Yeah. It was as, his first time and he, he had on this like scarf around his head. Yeah, bandana thing. Um, it was hilarious. But he's talking about his new movie he's doing uh, with Bruce Willis. With Bruce Willis yeah. and it's uh it's, it's a, about Afghanistan. But it's like a comedy yeah. set over there. So yeah. But And uh so he did the whole panel and when it was over he walks off the stage and into the room. I've never seen, never seen that comic con. Walks into the room, yeah. walk up and down the aisles, letting people take pictures of him, shake hands. hands. Yeah. Wow. It was like just Bill a Murray. regular guy. You That's know? Yeah. cool, man. He comes across yeah. as a guy. Uh, yeah, it's just amazing. Yeah. All right. Well, let, let me let me tell you one little anecdote from the. This is so funny, and I might not tell it as funny as it is, but. Trust me, you'll like this. Fan questions, you know, everybody comes up uh, the last 20 minutes of a panel typically and uh, audience questions come up. And somebody, the last question that came up was a guy said, Mr. Murray, I don't know if you know, but on the Internet, there are a lot of stories about you and you running into people in different cities and just doing crazy stuff and you telling them, no one will believe this happened because you have no proof of it. And I'm just wondering, is any of it true? Uh, I mean, there's even a website about these Bill Murray sightings. Mm -hmm. So Bill looks at him thoughtfully, and he goes, huh, you know, that would be really interesting if that stuff was true, wouldn't it? <laughs> and Mitch Glazer beside him looks at him, and everybody's laughing, and he goes, I can't comment about those specifics, but let me tell you my Bill Murray interesting story. He said, my wife is an actress. Her name's Kelly Lynch. And she was in a movie years ago with Patrick Swayze called Point Break. Drink. And <laughs> yes, there you go. And and uh, there is a scene in the movie where where he makes love to her. 
and it just became available on Netflix for the first time uh, a few months ago. And I knew that Bill happened to be in Russia filming a movie at the time. And 2 o'clock one morning after the movie starts showing up on Netflix, I get a call. And I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, call, 2 in the morning. I pick up the phone, and I hear a guy in a funny voice say, I'm watching your wife sleep with Patrick Swayze. And he hung up the phone. <laughs> and then and then for the next week and a half like all the Murray brothers there's like five of them at inordinate times would just call poor Mitch Glazer out of the blue and say the exact same line <laughs> and, and so you know Mitch is like I'm not saying that he does crazy things in the public I'm just saying what happened to me that is a great story <laughs> well and and the other story he told, or that he answered a question that was really cool. Somebody said, what was your favorite role? Mm. And he sort of goes, hmm. And he goes, I got to save New York once, and I got to drive around in a really cool car. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Ghostbusters drink. Yeah. Oh, I, I thought he would, he would have said Caddyshack. I mean, he improved like 90% of that movie, so I, I would have guessed yeah. that would have been it. Well, they, they asked him, uh, well, they asked Mitch really how much – you write a script, how much of it is Bill and how much of it is a script writer? And he goes, well, the script is more of a guideline. <laughs> <laughs> it would have to be with that guy. That's a great well, story. That was such a treat. Yeah. yeah. So what else did you guys get to experience? What were your kind of your, your high spots, so your favorite things that you got to see there at Comic-Con this year? Uh, gosh, in terms of pilots, uh, we saw a few, we didn't get to, to preview night. We ended up going down to the exhibition floor because we wanted to actually see things and not get mobbed. Uh, but we did see most of the pilots, the blind Lucifer. spot, the, well, Lucifer was a really good pilot. That's going to be an FX starting in January. I don't know if anybody watched Constantine drink that came up last year. We had uh, a golden spiral media podcast on Constantine. That's right, you did. And, and, and we used to listen to it. It was yeah. sad when it got canceled. But Constantine, we like to say, was a very unlikable character who was a good guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the devil is like this verbal character, but he's a really funny guy. Uh, it on, was on funny. Lucifer. It uh, looks really good. It's well made. There was a really good pilot. Uh, there was one on NBC that's starting in uh, September called Blind Spot mm-hmm. yeah. uh, that we like. That, uh, a lady wakes up in Times Square and she's covered in tattoos uh, and nobody, she has no memory of anything. So her mind's been completely wiped out and uh, the only clue they have about anything is the name of an FBI agent is tattooed on her back. And so they get the FBI agent and they start trying to find out who she is and why she was dumped in Times Square with tattoos all over her body. Hmm. It was for, uh, you know, NBC, a lot of times is the place where shows go to die. Um, but this one looked really good, uh, and I, I hope people will try it out. Okay. What's that? Did you get to see Supergirl? We did not see. That was the one thing I, I wish we'd been able to see because oh. the pilot, I've heard a couple of our buddies, well, you know, Mike Tremaine, a uh-huh. big fan of yep. uh, the Fringe podcast, uh, was able to get in and see that on WB Night, and he said it was really good. He He thought that they crammed a lot into it, you know, I'm a huge Superman. Right, that's why I asked. Yeah, so I was, I was really interested. He said that yeah, it was uh, true to the origin stories in the books. They did a lot in the pilot, but uh, he liked it. Good. So, what was the panel with uh, Carlton Cuse and uh, Josh Holloway? 
Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, that was uh, that was Colony. the show on USA Colony. Colony. And that yeah. was an interesting pilot. We saw that. Okay. Uh, Josh, you know, you love seeing Josh Holloway do anything. He's pretty much the same guy in everything he does. <laughs> He's Sawyer, basically. Yeah. But uh, the the premise is really intriguing. Uh, there's some invading force that has uh, taken over Greater Los Angeles, and you're not sure who the force is. Uh, there appears to be some sort of alien element to it, but they don't really play that up initially. It's just here are these people. They're being trapped. How are they going to survive in this new environment? Because they're cut off from the rest of the country, and. Uh, he did. Uh, Josh did a really good job, I thought, in the pilot. And Sounds so like that was the dome. One. a little bit, yeah. Yeah, if you're gonna have the uh, force, you gotta have an alien element to that. Yeah. Drink. Oh, one other we. Yeah. <laughs> one other we saw or falling skies. Drink. Um, <laughs> how many other shows can we name? <laughs> Heroes Reborn. We saw. Yeah. Uh, we saw that panel, and that was really. Uh, we were fans of the show, uh, even the yeah. maligned fourth season, which was not as good as uh, the others. They were bringing back a few of the main characters that uh, we love. I mean, HRG is back. Uh, of course, he's like the linchpin of the whole thing coming back, so that's great to see. Greg Grunberg hosted the panel, and he is, if you've ever, I know, Daryl, you've seen him at a, at a con. He's just very outgoing, gregarious, and fun. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And that definitely looks like they're, they're going to have several of the actors from the original series are going to pop up. They're not going to, most of them are just going to be kind of in and out roles. Uh, but it looked like something definitely to check out. Uh, and we'll, we'll probably check that one out in, uh, I believe that's coming back in September as well. I'm excited uh, about that one. Yeah. Dennis Leary is doing a show that's debuting, uh, this, uh, actually tonight, uh, as we record this, Thursday, the 16th of July, uh, called Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll. Yeah. And, uh, he is, uh, he's like a, uh, a reformed, uh, drug, uh, alcohol abuser who's reconstituting his band that was popular back in the 90s. And it, if you're a Dennis Leary person, it, it looks like something really fun. What was really funny about him, he, somebody had pointed out to him that he looked like, uh, what's her Jane name? Jane Lynch. Lee? Jane Lynch. <laughs> Jane Lynch. And he went and looked in the mirror and he goes, gee, yeah. I do look like her. Well, he's, he was actually out on the street in New York when they were filming and, and somebody goes, I loved you in Glee. And they were like from a distance and he didn't read. And he, they thought he was Jane Lynch. Uh, and then, then he came up and they were like, oh, it's Dennis Leary. And, Turned out, oops, uh, he does look amazingly like her. And he said he'd like to have her on the show as his sister or something. That would be funny. <laughs> That's funny. I, I'll have to look that up to see side by side how much they look alike. I wouldn't have made that connection. It's yeah. amazing. I went, I went online and looked at yeah, it. Yeah, you look, it's kind yeah. of freaky. Uh, and then, and then the, uh, we saw the panel. That was part of the FX panel. And the, the last uh, big one that we had seen was for uh, a show called The Strain that Carlton Cuse from Lost fame is mm. doing right now. Uh, season 2 just started this past weekend, and it's about vampires in New York City. And it's a, it is a horror show. These are not tortured, conflicted vampires who are worried about their souls or anything. They're just bad. Hmm. And the, the good guys are trying to stop them, and it's a lot of fun. And it's by uh, Guillermo del Toro and Chuck Hogan had pitched this show a few years ago to the networks who declined. So they said, well, the heck with you. We're gonna, we want to tell the story. So they wrote three novels. And then a couple of years ago, USA uh, or FX approached them and was like, 
hey, these are great. This would make a great TV show. And they'd already pitched it as a TV show. And they're like, okay, yeah, we could do that. We'll, we'll adapt it a little bit. Why do you even say that? What a great yeah. story that is. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So that's if you want some mindless uh, vampire stuff, uh, the strain is your perfect summer uh, vampire catnip. Hmm. Did you guys uh, oh. see the 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 movie stuff, the Batman versus Superman, or any of the other movie stuff that they had? No, the 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 WB panel and the Star Wars panel were like two night camp out things. Yeah. But we we did uh, we you know we saw like everybody some of the pictures uh, they had the original cast of Star Wars there um, which was amazing and uh, after the thing J uh, J Abrams took everybody outside to the uh, there's a little theater area behind Daryl you know uh, where they do concerts behind the uh, convention Dark center Dara. yeah and they uh, they did excerpts from Star Wars movies in concert so everybody could go outside they and listen to it. They also gave everybody a lightsaber. Lightsaber, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was, it was uh, a San Diego Philharmonic that was performing the music. Yes. It was a live yeah. orchestra concert. That's live yeah. show. And then they had fireworks at the rehearse. end of it. I just yeah. 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 That would have been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We, we yeah. were not there for the fireworks in the concert. We were we had somewhere else we needed to be, but yeah, I think that was uh, we were at another event. Uh, so that looked amazing yeah. um, and, and fun. We heard uh, the the WB uh, Superman Batman panel was was interesting. Apparently, Ben Affleck was was not very talkative, but of course he's playing Batman. So what do you expect from? Well, he yeah. just broke up with his wife. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's a bad deal. I'm, ba- I'm Batman. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Tell us about your childhood, uh, Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you like your mother and father? <laughs> yeah. So one cool. thing I gotta say, we w- crowds freak me out, mm-hmm. and uh, the crowds were as big as ever, if not bigger. And in fact, they've got this new system now where if you want to see uh, like a, a panel in Hall H on Thursday, you have to get in line on Wednesday to get Thursday tickets, and if you want to see panel on Friday and Hall H, you got to get in line at Thursday. So everybody's camping out. Mm-hmm. I mean, two days at a time sometimes. And you get a wristband. And if you get a wristband, you get to get in line the next morning at 7.30 or whatever. Well, behind everybody else who stayed overnight. Yeah. And if all the wristband people get in, then they let the other people who don't have wristbands in. So it's it's crazy. Well, that's the thing. You got to basically give up a day for a panel now, or two days, or two. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, to, to get away oh. from the crowds, we wound up staying in uh, Coronado, Coronado, across mm. the bay, yeah, uh, in the Marriott, with a beautiful view of the uh, convention center and the whole area across the way, and took a ferry in in the morning, hung out all day, and then got an Uber back at night. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was I highly recommend that for people who are freaked out by crowds like yeah. me. If you want to get away from the crowd, there, there's things to do. I mean, you can go up to Mission Valley, too, as well. Uh, yeah, we've stayed up in Mission that. Valley before. Of course, then you're, yeah, we, we rented you're a car out or, it, yeah. or you've got to ride the bus. Well, and so. well Uber, Uber, has, Uber has changed things down there, Uber and Lyft, so it's oh, easy good. to get around downtown. Good. All right, two other panels real quick. Orphan Black, which we mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great panel. Uh, they had everybody from the show there, and it was it was weird hearing uh, the actor who plays Felix speak with his normal Canadian accent, because you're used to you're only used to hearing him uh, with a British accent. 
Whereas when Tatiana Maslany speaks with a normal accent, well, you're used to Helena, you're used to Sarah, you're used to, you don't care. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's not off-putting. Um, and they tease some things coming up in season four that are going to be, uh, I think, really exciting. And, and, and props to Tatiana for getting finally nominated by the Emmy folks for, yeah, that's great. for playing 12 characters on one show mm -hmm. uh, seamlessly. And then uh, the Doctor Who panel was, oh. was brilliant. Chris Hardwick from The Nerdist uh, hosted that. He's a huge uh, Doctor Who geek. And Peter Capaldi was there with Jenna Coleman. Um, and, um, oh, I forget the actress who plays uh, Missy. Um, she was there as well. Yeah, so I don't know her them. name. Yeah. And uh, that was a really interesting panel. The, the, and Stephen Moffat, uh, of course, mm -hmm. uh, was there. Yep. And um, it looks like uh, the Doctor uh, is going to be up to some mayhem as usual, and uh, I guess Jenna Coleman let slip at one point during the panel uh, something along the lines of, I always really liked Stephen's writing, and then really like, like maybe oh. uh, this, <laughs> this could be a swan song for hmm. uh, Clara on uh, series. Well, there was that speculation eight, last season that it might be her last well, yeah. it looked like it at one point because it looked like it was her farewell episode. Yeah. Like one last adventure, and then she ended up sticking around for the whole season. Yeah. They were saying goodbye so. and whatnot, and then, you know, but then, yeah, not, not so much. Yeah. 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 Okay, so we'll, we'll stop riffing. A uh, lot of good stuff. If anybody, if you ever get a chance to go to Comic-Con, uh, I highly recommend it. And But there are cons all over the country. If you're somebody who's listening who's never been, you know, it might be intimidating uh, to have a lot of people like that, and you might be, oh, well, you know, I'm not a geek enough, but um, there, uh, we've taken over popular culture. The movies, the books, mm -hmm. they're all our stuff now. The cosplay. All the hoi polloi people, they've, they've had to give it up. It's it's uh, it's the geekdom that has inherited popular culture of right now, and it's a place to go celebrate that. Whether you're at Comic Con there, there's there was a Comic Con in Raleigh for goodness sake where we mm -hmm, live. There's mm -hmm. one in New York in the fall. Dragon Con is in Atlanta in a few weeks. Yeah, well, let's talk about mm -hmm. Dragon Con. That's a great segue that you set us up yeah. for because we are going to have quite a few Golden Spiral Media people there, hosts that are that are going to be there. I think I'm going to be there. It's not 100% sure. Yay. Chip and Sarah, you guys are going to be there. Uh, the Arrow yeah. Squad yeah. team is going to be there. Uh, Mike from who does our Extant podcast. Um, what does he do during the during the main uh, main year? Not he, that's his summer show. Anyway, um, uh, oh, they do Agents of Shield. And several of our other guys are going to be there. Listeners from the community are going to be there. Doug, you live in Atlanta, although you're not going to be at the con. We are organizing a meetup, a Golden Spiral Media community meetup, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So Dragon Con is the name of that con, and the meetup is is in all likelihood going to be on Thursday. September the 3rd, it'll be downtown uh, and, and uh, either near the con or near a metro stop, so it, sh it should be easy to get to. But look for more information on that. If you want more information on that, the best thing to do is make sure you're signed up for our email list because I'll be emailing. I've already started composing the email. So go over to goldenspiralmedia.com and you'll see right there on the homepage, get email updates. Make sure you're signed up for that. We'd love to have you a part of our of our community meetup. Even if you're not going to the con, if you live in Atlanta, 
you can join us if you are going to be at the con Thursday night, the night before the con starts. The thing with Dragon Con, Chip and Sarah, you know this, Doug, you do too. Dragon Con goes 24 hours a day practically for that whole weekend. There's, Pretty it's much, not yeah. like it shuts down at even 10 o'clock at night. It goes all night long. So if we're going to do a meetup, we got to do it before the con officially kicks off. So that's why we're doing it on Thursday night. Yep. Good idea. Yep. Well, and one thing I've learned about these cons is that you really can't do everything you right. want to do. Mm-hmm. So you sort of have to pick and choose. And then some of it's luck and some of it is, okay, I can't get into Hall H for Game of Thrones. So what else can I do? And you wind up finding some really remarkable things. Like last year, we, we stumbled into a NASA panel. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. It's like, Science fact instead of science oh, yeah, fiction. Nice. That was great. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's you miss out on something. There's always something else you can do. Yep. So. Yeah, yeah. Right. And 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 I'll make a plug for hanging out with the Golden Spiral Media folks. If you listen, and you've never you've been afraid to like meet us. We don't bite. Uh, Daryl. Well, Doug does. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> but apart from Doug, most of us uh, in the community do not bite. And we are able for several of us uh, when Fringe ended to go to Oklahoma City uh, in the dead of winter to see the finale. And uh, Daryl and Clint had organized that little gathering. And none of us had ever met in real life. And now and we're friends with everybody. And now we've got all these friends all over North America because of that. And it really is so much fun to put names and faces and, and get to hang out and, and talk about all the thing, the geeky things that we love. So if you're anywhere near Atlanta, come see us. It'll be a big fun. Yeah, it will. It will. All right. Well, Chip, you have this, as I mentioned, this, this great beer podcast called Tales from the Cask, <laughs> talesfromthecask.com. One of the cool things that you do on that podcast, you get to interview people from all over the country, these, these people. All over the world now, Daryl. That's true. That's true. But yeah, nobody gets out of the Tales from the Cask studio without answering three questions. Yeah. So I thought I'd throw it back at you this time. Have you and Sarah? Right, I'm ready. I'm, I'm dragging Sarah into this too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. oh, no. Three questions you have to answer before we'll let you get out of here. Fair Number enough. one. Right. What is the first TV show or movie that you remember really having an impact on you? TV show or movie. Okay. Sarah, you want to go first? Let me go first. I'm, I'm thinking. Movie Star Wars, hands down. Mm. Uh, the original, 1977. A TV show. You mean like uh, a geek impact or just something I really noticed? You know, it's, yeah, in some way where, where you were like, oh, man, I just I love it. It's not just casual viewing. You you can't miss it. You, maybe you were recording it or maybe you were – you were pretending you were that person, you know, whatever it is. Moonlighting. Uh, it was a TV show with Bruce Willis and yeah. Sybil Shepard in the mid eighties. Uh, that was like, that was the first show I just geeked out over because they were so funny and they broke a lot of rules of at the time, conventional television. Hmm. I remember Sarah? that one. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to date myself here, but, um, Daryl, I think you've heard this story. My, First crush was uh, Kurt circus, Russell, circus boy. who was in um, <laughs> Circus Boy. It was a Disney TV show way back in the day. Kurt and Russell. then he became Jamie McFeeters, which was a a Western. He was a kid, and he was about my age. 
So really, it's not a show per se. It's Kurt Russell. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and then again, Escape from New York. What can you say? Oh, well, yeah. that's classic, right there. Come on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. All right. So turn the tables. You guys answer. Oh. Yeah. oh. What sh- what show or movie got you guys going? Duck? Star Trek, uh, the original series in, re- in reruns, but uh, but that's that. I just love that. I was I. I had built my own little bridge, you know, on a piece of cardboard and or you know a panel and that moved the ship and whole thing. Yeah, that was that was me. Oh man. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, you know the first the first show that comes to mind, like the, one of the earliest shows I can remember, like pretending to be with my with my brother. Well, gosh, now I'm, I'm, it was either the A team because we both had like these trucks. And we would kind of <laughs> run them around and try to be. They didn't look like the A Team van um, or the Dukes of Hazard. Same thing because the, the cars were were all about those shows. Well, and I can just remember playing with my my Hot Wheels cars or just playing, even if they didn't match. You know, trying to jump. Everybody wanted a car that would jump ramps and stuff like that. So those are the, the shows. A pit in the pool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course, I gotta say the original Star Trek TV series. Yeah. Was. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and it it was well, there was a bunch of things uh, at the time, and not all of them took off. A lot of Ivan Allen stuff, uh, uh, Time Tunnel. Um, oh yeah. Uh, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. It was a whole bunch of those. They didn't really take yeah. off as well as as Star Trek did, and uh, but that that really that really caught my imagination. Mm-hmm. I had a plastic little communicator and a plastic hand phaser and the whole bit. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Question. Number two, if you were stuck on a desert island and had a magic TV that could stream only one TV show or movie, what would it be? Now, now Chip's laughing because these first two questions have been very slight variations of two of the questions that he asks on his on his podcast. About beer. Yeah. I believe there's some copyright violation going on here right now. I'm, uh, I'm going to have to get our, our trademark attorney, Chris Sorry, to contact you. Uh, this is a parody, that. and I think that's covered just fine under <laughs> copyright. That's fair use, you think? Yeah, I think it's fair use. Okay. <laughs> so, stuck on a desert island, had a magic TV that could only stream one TV show or movie. What would it be? Oh man, I'd I'd go insane. Just one. Okay. Uh, all right. Movie, all that jazz. My favorite movie of all time. And you know, my I told you my story about meeting Sandal Bergman uh-huh. the yep. year that you and uh, Clint and Sarah and I were all at Comic Con. I'll never forget that. That was a great year. Uh, and I think that's going to also segue year. you into your, your TV show answer, isn't it? Sandal Bergman? Well, who else you met at Comic-Con that year? Oh, well, yeah, X-Files. Uh, yeah. Of course, Jillian Anderson. I, it was like uh, all the people Chip could meet at a Comic-Con, uh, Jillian Anderson and Sandal Bergman. Okay, I'm done. I don't need to meet anybody else. So, <laughs> yes, it would be the X- it would be the X-Files. That would be perfect. And it's coming back. I know. Yes, six yes. episodes in January. Yeah. Heck yeah. Right, Sarah, your turn. Sarah, TV or movie? And movie. Oh, that is so hard. TV show. You know, I love my my um, cop. Uh, yeah, but which one? Yeah, but gotta which one? one? Bones? I think I've watched Bones more than anything yeah, you love else. Bones. I watch mm-hmm. it over and over and over yeah. again. All right, movie. But movie. Mm-hmm. Hmm. One movie. That's hard. Kill a Mockingbird. Okay. Ooh. All right, you guys, you got to answer. You got to answer with us. Movie is definitely now. You, I got to. I got to explain this. Lady Hawk. 
And the reason oh, is... Oh, great movie. Yeah, but it's it, it, but not so much for the movie as when I walked into the theater to watch it the first time, I walked in in the middle of them doing the opening, uh, the opening title sequence and all that stuff, and I said, wow, I am buying this soundtrack. And and I did, and and if if so, if the picture tube goes out on the uh, Magic TV, I will still have the audio. Nice answer. Yeah. yeah. What about TV show? TV show, I'm not so sure. I think maybe I was thinking maybe Lost, just so I could figure it all out again. No, what's going on here again? <laughs> That's a little meta. They if you're, if you're stuck on a deserted island, I said desert island, but let's say it's a deserted <laughs> desert island. Uh, I kind of like that. Uh, I, I'm with you there. We do we do have a quick story, but finish, Daryl. You finish, and we got a, a Lost story from the Comic Con. Oh, you great. Hear. Okay. Well, for me, the movie would be Inception. That's it's one of my oh, yeah. favorite movies of all time. It's the only one that I keep on my iPad at all times so that if I'm ever in a situation where I need some time to kill, I'll throw on Inception. Even if I don't get to watch the whole thing, I get a different different experience with it every time I watch it. Love that movie. And it's a Nolan and you film. you still don't know what happened. <laughs> I get a little closer to figuring it out each time I watch it. Um, TV show, Doug, I'm with you. We, you and I are going to be watching Lost together. Sounds good. Yeah. Not I like Fringe. It. I like yeah. it. Not okay. Fringe. You, you wouldn't know, watch Fringe? I love, love, you know I love Fringe. If I could pick two, it would be Fringe, but Lost is still my favorite show of all time. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, it's definitely mine, but it didn't have Gillian Anderson. Yeah. All right. What's your Lost story? We were at this panel for, I guess it was, uh, it wasn't the Strain panel. It was uh, the Colony panel. That Carlton Hughes oh, was at, yeah. and Josh Holloway's there, and you know they're talking I about new shows. I gotta tell the story. Do you want to tell? Because Chip got up and went to the bathroom. All right, so I, I missed this, but Sarah was there for. On the, the panel dinner. was Josh Holloway and Carlton Hughes, and they were they had asked for the question from the audience. So somebody comes up to the microphone and says, "This question is for Carlton Hughes." Weren't they dead all the time? Oh, no. Of all the questions, <laughs> that one? And Carlton Cuse, like, rolls his eyes, and he <laughs> says, no, they weren't dead all the time. They were alive on the island. They had a good time, and then they died later. And so uh, this person kept But he wouldn't let it go. And uh, Josh Holloway kind of squints into the audience, and he looks at this guy, and he says, I recognize you, <laughs> and it turns it turns out it's um, Nestor Carbonell. Nestor Carbonell, no Richard Alpert, oh, oh. <laughs> and, and Josh, Josh, Josh Holloway said, "I recognize the eyeliner." <laughs> <laughs> Nestor said, "It's not eyeliner; it's the my, way my eyes are." And <laughs> Uh, he kept hammering uh, Carlton Cuse, and Carlton was like, no, they weren't dead all the time. They died later, and, and Esther says, I didn't die. <laughs> and so they had done a panel earlier in the day about this new show. Well, it was about Colony. Colony, yeah, yeah. about Colony, that they're these uh, like police-type people with the red hats. Like red berets. And mm -hmm. uh, Carlton said, you're getting out of control. I'm going to have to have you taken away so he the siren goes off all these red hats come into the room and drag Nestor nice. out of the room and uh, then later in the panel he actually joined them yeah he's going to be a guest star on the show oh fun 
Oh, that's great. That's a great story. So anyway, well, he's, yeah. he's also on another show. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the main character actors weren't able to be there, so they didn't have a, a panel. So they yeah. invited him on to yeah. share their yeah. panel. Yeah, it, it, was, it was really funny, and I missed the whole thing. Sarah had to tell me, I'm like, I was gone five minutes and all that happened. <laughs> <laughs> That'll teach you. Chip's never taken a bathroom break. Never go to the break. bathroom during a panel. <laughs> yeah. All right. One Hold last question. One more. Okay. If you could share a beer with any actor, who would it be? Any actor. Golly. Um, Patrick Stewart, the captain, Jean-Luc. Oh, That's what a great I answer I know that he, is. He he drinks wine typically because you know he's from France, but I could get him to drink a beer. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of craft beers he'd like. Sarah, beer or a glass Kurt of wine. <laughs> Kurt Russell, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> All right, I'm changing my answer to Sandra Bergman. <laughs> I'm kidding. All right, you guys, who would you drink a beer with, or or a soda or iced tea? Whatever. Uh, mine's tough. I'm 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 going back and forth between Michael Emerson. Uh, who, who I just truly. Love him as an actor, and I, I think anytime I get to hear him speak, I could just listen to him speak all day. And the same thing for yeah. John Noble. I mean, both of those guys so well spoken, yeah. so John talented. Noble. Um, John Noble would be cool. I think I'll I think yeah. I'll pick John Noble though. I like that. This is this is tough. I am. I'm, the first thing that just came to my mind was Jim Caviezel. I you know and it's doing this person of interest thing here mm-hmm, now, but. Mm-hmm. But but he's you know as far as person of interest he played uh, you know Jesus in uh, the Passion of the Christ he's he's done yeah. a lot yeah. of things that I have uh, seen him in just you know a- after recognizing him in in person of interest then going back and seeing these other things oh 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 there too you know mm-hmm. uh, so so possibly him yeah yeah he's actually right. quite quite uh, quite entertaining quite uh, he's he's a very Charming. thoughtful deep thinking very caring individual i i've been very impressed with him when we've I, i've heard him at panels i never had a one-on-one conversation with him but he's he's an impressive guy he was he was oh, very we have did we tell you we i actually would love to have yeah, a beer with of, amy acker kind of that, yeah mm-hmm. yeah that'd be cool too yeah yeah and i've heard people talk about the fact that you know we've got an unperson of interest essentially you you know you're not going to win when you're up against ben linus and jesus <laughs> <laughs> Well, somebody we asked him ask that question. Somebody asked him at the panel if if a number came up and that number was Ben Linus, would you save him? And he said, he? he said, yes, I would save him because no one, no matter how terrible of a person they are, he didn't. He said, rotter. I think no matter how big of a rotter they are, they no one deserves to die violently because of a violent act. Yeah. So yeah. And, and, I wish they told his father. <laughs> Sorry, spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah. Lost. Oh well. All right. Well, I tell you what, guys. We have. I. I what about you, Daryl? Did you pick? Uh. The, yeah, I said John Noble. Oh yeah, yeah. That's right, yeah. John Noble. Uh, we have thoroughly enjoyed having you guys on our podcast, and I'm so appreciative of the work that you guys are able to do for us at Comic Con. Can you? I've mentioned Tales from the Cask, and I've mentioned the Americans. Uh, here's your chance. Pimp yourself. Tell us how they can tell everyone how they can get a hold of you and and all that good stuff. So, so tell us about your podcasts and and tell us about you. Sarah, do you want to talk about watching the Americans? Uh, we are watching the Americans, and the Americans yeah, are watching. We are them. watching the Americans. <laughs> uh, that's our tagline. Uh, I usually say "Spasiba Tavarici," but 
No, The Americans is an award-winning uh, TV show on the FX network. Uh, season four debuts, I believe, in January coming up. We do a really fun podcast about that particular show. And it's watchingtheamericans at gmail.com? Is our email, yes. Uh, we have a website, which is uh, currently uh, maintained by the fabulous efforts of uh, Mr. D. Darnell at Golden Spiral Media, who yeah. also does web cool web stuff. Um, I'm shamelessly plugging Golden Spiral Media, but I'm not being shameless because they do a great job. I don't know who Daryl hires because obviously the <laughs> guy that does it is very talented. But we, on the show, we talk about the, what's happened on the show, but we also analyze uh, what was going on in history at that time. Uh, we do a segment on technology of yesterday and uh, what else? Well, uh, history and tech are, are the big things yeah. that we like to history go over after we do the and and culture stuff like yeah. uh, TV shows that are they may like have a show yeah. on yeah. in the background and we'll talk about that. So anyway, the show is about KGB agents who are sent to the United States in the '60s uh, who end up raising a family and uh, it's set in the, uh, the '80s. Well, it's set in the '80s, but they came to the U.S. Huh. in the '60s. Uh, and so uh, a lot of mayhem. There's crazy stuff going on between Reagan, Gorbachev, and check and it we, out. It's really good. We have had the opportunity to interview a couple of stars from the show. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we learned from uh, Daryl that uh, you just need to ask people repeatedly to please talk to us, please talk to us, and we've actually gotten some uh, really good interviews. So do check it out, watchingtheamericans.com. Email is watchingtheamericans at gmail.com. And uh, we do have even have Russian-speaking listeners, so you get to hear Russian on our show from time to time. Yeah, that's right. and that's that's the one we got started in podcasting uh, thanks to some help from. Again, I'll plug Gold Spiral Media. Daryl might be too bashful to mention it, but he does an amazing job helping people set up a podcast if they are interested in doing something like that. And we were in our business. Our business is selling beer. Here in North Carolina, and we wanted uh, we've got some people that love selling beer, and they are really good at it, and they love talking about it. And so uh, we started this podcast, uh, Tales from the Cask, and it's uh, Tales from the Cask at Gmail dot com uh, is uh, where we are on the Gmail. It's Tales from the Cask dot com, our website, which has all of our episodes, just like Watching the Americans dot com has all of those episodes. Both shows are available on iTunes and Stitcher, and uh, we would love if you're into beer, check out uh, Tales from the Cask. If you want to watch a great show while the hiatus is on, uh, The Americans is so binge-worthy, you need to check it out. Don't let the Emmy people fool you. They snubbed us again this year, uh, and I told Daryl I was going to mention that before the show is out. Uh, I'm very, I'm not surprised, but I'm, I'm, I'm appalled. <laughs> but uh, great TV show. Even if you don't listen to us, go watch the show. It's great. Yeah. And thank you to Daryl for letting me shamelessly plug what we do on the interwebs. I'm happy to do it. I, again, I'm so glad you guys were able to be here. And uh, thank you for plugging my services over at Pro Podcast Solutions. Uh, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. I'm glad I get to do that. Quit my day job a couple of years ago to do that full time and love every minute of it. So he's He's really good at editing, too. Because yeah. we, we sound a lot worse on Tales than we ended up sounding. <laughs> <laughs> Doug, any final words from you? No, I just, thanks for uh, for doing this, folks. It has been a, 
very informative, very interesting, and a lot of fun. Yeah, it has. Thanks for standing in line for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully next year everybody can go. Yeah, we can all be there. I hope so. Uh, and I want to say I want to say special thanks to Doug. We've never actually uh, got to meet uh, Doug. We've listened to Doug hours and hours. So you finally get to meet somebody that you've spent so much time with. And Doug, you do a really good job on the show, and we really enjoy yeah. everything that you contribute. We love the the tech thing that you do every week and we're looking forward to if this is the end we're looking forward to a great podcast from you two guys and yeah we'll keep our fingers crossed that maybe maybe the machine can survive even cbs (laughs) even cbs (laughs) indeed yeah well i don't know when we'll be back you know because uh, as we've said person of interest isn't coming back until uh, early 2016 so my my hunches that we'll be back then uh, there's a chance that maybe something at dragon con will, will pop up uh, there was a panel there a couple of years ago that i got to be a part of i don't know if that's going to happen this year i haven't heard anything so i doubt it but you know so if something cops up between now and then we'll be back if not we will definitely be back when person of interest comes back next year and we're glad in the meantime we could bring you this special episode again thanks to chip and sarah Doug, I've missed you. It's nice to be chatting with you again. Yeah, good to see you again, man. So thank you for tuning into this episode of Person of Interest Podcast. And until next time, don't get up in the middle of a panel to go use the bathroom at Comic-Con. No. <laughs> Ouch. And uh, we hope there's a man in the suit. If your number comes up, there's a man in the suit watching over you or standing in line for you at the con trying to get that wristband. <laughs> If you're stuck in a suitcase, hope there'll be somebody who will reconstitute you. (laughs) And I will just quote Queen saying, the machine of a dream, such a clean machine. 